And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary. The Success Story podcast is part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. The HubSpot Podcast Network has other great podcasts like Marketing Made Simple, hosted by Dr. J.J. Peterson. Marketing Made Simple brings you practical tips to make your marketing easy and more importantly, make it work. Now, if any of these topics sound interesting to you, you're going to love his show, how to write and deliver captivating speeches, how to market yourself into a new job, how design can help and potentially hurt your revenue, and how to create a social media ad strategy that works. If these topics hit home and they're things that you want to learn about, go listen to Marketing Made Simple wherever you get your podcasts. Today, you're going to hear an episode of my new podcast, Liquidity and Liquor. I co-host Liquidity and Liquor with Yosef Martin, a serial entrepreneur who sold his last company, BoxyCharm, for over $500 million. On Liquidity and Liquor, we have conversations about business, money, and life with some of the most interesting people in the world. You can download and subscribe to Liquidity and Liquor on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. But Jennifer Cohen, the one and only, welcome to our show. I think uh, it can be nice if you introduce yourself. Yes, my past is, I have a big, my, a big part of my past and my present, actually, is fitness, for sure. Mm. I'm, uh, I've written a bunch of fitness and health books, obviously, uh, not obviously, I've written a lot of fitness and diet books. Um, I had a fitness app that was acquired by Weight Watchers. I had a fitness shoe that was uh, a weighted shoe that people would wear. And the idea was that this was my first company called No Gym Required. And it, what it was is it was a shoe that had, that had an interchangeable midsole. So you would add 25% more calories to what you burn because of the added resistance. And... I think that was even before its time. It was such a great concept. I loved this company. It's called, like I said, the, the shoe was called the NGR shoe. The company was called No Gym Required. That was the name of my first book. And I've always just been someone who's been super passionate about fitness. I love it. I think it's really important to have that as a piece of your everyday routine to help with success in every other part of your life. And so I believe that that is part of why I've had success in other parts of my life because I took fitness seriously and it taught me so much when I did. Fitness taught me about, like I said to you before we started, the goal setting and it gave me the self-esteem and the confidence to kind of go after things because in fitness, you set, your, you set goals. And once you see yourself achieving those goals, right? It gives you that confidence to 
to try for another one. And I think, like I said, the discipline, the goal setting, the, the idea of, of having something that you've actually gone after and achieved just wants, gives you that motivation to keep on going. So I believe with my podcast, we do a lot of things in health, wellness, um, mental health, physical health, because it's such a huge component. So you, for you believe you believe in routine, and you said I, be, I believe that routine is a big yeah is a big part of it. Hence my podcast. It's called Habits and mm-hmm. Hustle for a reason. I think that people are essentially what they do over and over and over again, which are habits, and habits are part of a routine, part of a regimen. So, so how much, how much do you think it comes down to when it comes down to business? Because obviously in, in fitness, everyone would relate, would say, absolutely. You need, mm-hmm. you need to have force of habit. You need to go and be disciplined. Even if you don't want to hit the gym, you have to hit the gym. There, I think most people don't realize how imperative it is when you run a business. And you say, mm-hmm. you know, it, it comes down to business as well. So when you say habits comes down to business as well, and you need the routine in your business. And that is why you have that. Tell us, how, how, how do you go and influence people to understand that? Well, no, what I'm saying is that I, two parts, not no, but two parts. I think that people have to have some form of discipline that they're going to do things even when they don't want to do it, mm-hmm. which is why discipline is so important because most of the time I don't feel like working out. Most of the time I don't feel like necessarily working when I'd rather sit on a beach. But when I have the discipline and I know what my goals are and I know what I want my outcome to be, it's those that's the discipline and it's the routines that I put in place for myself to keep me on point and keep me on track. And I think that's what's really important. By the way, before you got here, you actually went to the gym. You just came from LA and with the hours different, you didn't sleep good at night. You went first, hit the gym, did what you need to do, got this out of the way, and then you showed up yep, over here. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And I, I noticed that. It's I said, imperative. Okay, yes. It's not even, it's not even, it's a non-negotiable. I will work out and I say this all the time on my social media, like do it even when you don't want to. And that's what it's about. I work out even when I don't feel like it because it's part, it's already ingrained in my DNA. It's part of my day. It's, it's part of my DNA to such a point where if I don't do it, I feel like something is missing. And I believe energy begets energy. So when people say things like, I don't have time to work out, I think that's such a, but like, it's such a load of shit. You have time to take a shower. You have time to brush your teeth. I believe like doing something that you're moving your body and you're sweating should be just as like ritualistic as brushing your teeth and, or taking a shower. Is there a percentage between motivation and discipline? I don't believe in motivation. I I think what motivation is a very overused word, mm-hmm. right? Because you can have motivation one minute and you can and lose it the next. Motivation wanes. Mm-hmm. You can't rely on motivation for your success and for getting something done. I think discipline is something way more So you don't useful. attribute any any percentage to motivation. The only thing that motive, like I what I said at the beginning of, of this whole podcast was the only thing that's motivational, what motivates me is as is as success I had prior to that. That gives me that extra oomph or motivation, so to speak, quote unquote, to to move to the next thing. But motivation is something like it, it has to be something bigger than motivation to get you from point A to point Z, mm-hmm. right? Motivation can help, like you go to a Tony Robbins seminar and it can, it can give you that motivation to start something, 
The starting is not the problem. It's the carrying through. It's, it's the continuing it's, it's on. It's the middle that's yeah. the hardest part, After the right? motivation wanes and it's, you know, you're not, you haven't reached the pinnacle of what you want to achieve yet. So it gets tough. And that initial fire, that's yeah. long gone out. Right. So, Absolutely. But that point you made was actually very interesting. The point you made about if people don't want to go to the gym and they say they don't have time for it, it's just an excuse. But it's ultimately because they haven't prioritized it. Absolutely. It's not a priority. Like I said, it's about non-negotiables. There are certain things that you just make as a non-negotiable. How do you do that? How do you make it a non-negotiable? Uh, well, it, it, just, it, it is my non-negotiable because I've seen wh- how it, and what it's like when I don't work out. But it ha- you have to get to a point in your life or you got to get to a point where you stick to something long enough where you see the you see the the benefit and the return on investment right well, and if you that, stop wouldn't too that soon, build motivation so once you say okay at first i start with no motivation i start with discipline and i have no motivation to hit the gym or start a business but i still know i have to do it but then once you start seeing results that builds motivation that gives you a different form of energy to go and proceed and convince other people don't you because that where, where where people are big now is Forget motivation, it's all about discipline, which I absolutely agree about. Discipline is, imper- if you have no discipline, it's, you, you don't have to, it doesn't matter, motivation is going to go away as soon as it's a raining day. Right. Right? But once you add motivation into it, and I think Robert Greene said something interesting, he said, look, Einstein, without motivation, wouldn't go for a decade to come up with that final formula at the end. You needed some form of a mo- motivation infused into a disciplinary process. Well, I think that we can reverse engineer here, right? Uh, this is the thing. I think we, you have to work backwards, right? I think that you get motivation once you see the return on the investment, right. okay? Yes. So I know how I'm going to feel if I don't work out, mm-hmm. and I know how I'm going to feel if I do work out. Okay. I also know that it's an excuse that I use on myself when I say, oh, I'm too tired, because... There has never been a workout in my life that I've ever regretted doing, Mm. no matter how tired I am. And especially when I'm tired, right? Because when I'm the most tired, I still push myself because it gives me that like, that oomph that I need, that little energy resource that I would never have gotten otherwise. So the misconception and the mistruth about exercise is that if you, you, it get, makes you tired if you exert yourself, which I think is absolutely wrong. Yeah. I think the, that exertion, that sweat, when you sweat, when you put your body through that stress, it actually invigorates you. It gives you that extra, ex, like extra energy that you need to continue on or to give you the motivation. Right. As you you Once you're already in it, you're already on a roll and it's easier well, to continue. And afterwards, you're like, you feel better, yes. right? Because it's like you get your, your endorphins. Have are you ever going. done ice bath? Yeah, of course, cold plunging, yeah, of course. So you, you agree that you have no motivation jumping into no, this thing. No, it's terrible. But you feel amazing after but you that, said, right? You said it's, something important. You said terrible. that you have to find these little milestones yes. that you achieve to to feel that ROI, right? Right. So with, with working right. out, it's easy because it's immediate. It's yeah. like you, you literally work out, you have the endorphins, you feel good. I mean, you look better than you did like when you walked into the gym. Same with the ice bath. You, Correct. you hate it's it. It's actually, you go no. In. I'm going to say something about that. Not to interrupt you, but I want to interject for a second. Because, interject as much as you okay, want. Okay, I'm going to interject. <laughs> uh, believe me, I'm going to. Yeah. Okay, my interjection for this particular p- part is exercise is hard because it, depending on where you're, where, you're, where you're starting from, you could be going to the gym or working out day to day and not see any results. And so therefore that's very 
not, that's not very motivation. It doesn't give you that mm -hmm. motivation. And also it does the opposite effect, right? It's about sticking with something long enough with that discipline mm -hmm. that I talked about that you have to like keep on going even when you don't see a result because you have hope. Hope is the thing that I think is very mm. important that you will eventually get to that goal. And once you see like a glimpse of that goal that you're going for, whatever it is, it could be weight loss, it could be an a, added energy to your day, it could be health, it could be a lot of different things that will give you, and to your word that you love, motivation to keep on going. Because that's what you need, that you need to keep on going until you actually feel a difference when you don't go. So, and now you get obsessed with it now, and you start to feel that. Well, mm. you get obsessed with the feeling of like, you know what? I don't want to feel like shit. I like to feel on point to me at this point in my life. I'm not doing exercise. I'm not exercising daily because I'm trying to get like a six pack and because I like want to like for vanity reasons. Is there a percentage of vanity? Of course there is. And I would be a liar. And anybody who tells you they're not working out because... A bunch of bullshit. Yeah, it's a bunch yeah. of bullshit. Yeah. Everyone's working out because they want to look better at some point, okay? But I'm not, But what I am saying, really, where it mostly falls into, it falls into the mental aspect mm. for me. Because when I... If, if I would have not worked out today when I got here, even though I haven't slept even an hour because my the, the time difference and everything else... I would have been a total disaster, not just a half disaster when I showed up today because uh, I didn't sleep at all, right? But the exercise portion of it gives me much more mental focus. I'm much more alert. I'm much more on point. I'm, my, I'm, my, I'm cognitively much more aware. Mm -hmm. And when I don't, it dulls my, 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 mental, my mental ability. I feel that. So, for me, it's like a win-win, physically, mentally, and everything else. Now, it's how, like a therapy. I, I totally it agree. Is. For well, me, it's a therapy. I, I, I go to the gym because I need to disconnect from everything I do throughout the day. Right. And that is the only way I can disconnect. Otherwise, my, my brain keeps running and running, and I need that break. And right. That's the only way. It's meditation. So I'm not somebody who can sit in an um position and meditate the way traditionally people yeah. think about meditation. My meditation is me running or jogging mm. or cardio. Cardio for me is the time when I can like really get into my thoughts, get into my head. And that to me is my form. So again, another misconception, I think that people feel like because it's like a fad or it's cool that everyone sits with their legs crossed and their and their fingertips together and they um that's the only type of meditation there can be. But everybody's different. You know, what works for one person doesn't work for another person, right? Like I believe that we all there's lots of different forms of meditation. For me, my kind of my kind of personality, I've tried it all. I've tried tried yoga. It's not my thing. I've tried meditation. Not my thing. Have I tried it seventy five thousand times in every kind of version that possible? Transform transformative meditation. I've tried vinyasa yoga. I've tried this. I've no, I'm looking at the clock and like it does not work for me. I totally relate to that. You know? I totally, yeah. Okay, I, I, work. I have a question. Totally Out of the because if if fitness starts to become part of your like mental health, 
What are the what are some of the things that you see have it like how how has that impacted your life? So for example, um, if you don't go to the gym, you feel down, you feel like you're not cognitively there, you feel like you're almost like operating at half capacity. I'll give you some examples for me. So for me, I mean, I don't enjoy like a really good meal sometimes unless I have a good workout ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I know is silly. It doesn't really it doesn't really mean anything. Makes but to me, perfect sense. To I me. enjoy that. I enjoy a really good meal, but only after I do a good workout. If I travel, if I'm traveling for business, I'll look for hotels that have great gyms. Oh, hundred hit- yeah. percent. Okay. So this is the big joke. Okay, yeah. first of all, you do, I, do you do this I, too? Oh my god, <laughs> I, I, people like it's funny because like I the, the second I. A, I get to the the hotel I'm staying at. The first thing I do before I even go into, I, I drop my bag off in my room, maybe, yeah, or I don't even bother. I just go right to the gym. It's more important for me to have a functional gym than it is to have a great room. Hmm. So to me, the, the the biggest highlight or the biggest priority when I when I pick a hotel when I travel is definitely yeah. what the what the hotel gym is. To me, it makes the entire trip. It it's the biggest, most important part of the trip. If it's a shitty gym, the trip's going to be shitty. I agree 100%. Right? Yeah. That's why actually traveling to New York is so difficult. Yes. Because New York is the worst for hotel gyms. 100%. All what about like an they're all fitness boutique nearby gyms or now. something? Yeah, no, it's not the same. Never the same? Well, if you, if, if you have a gym membership, but I mean, if you stay in Manhattan, like yeah. you, there's nothing. Yeah, well, no, you can walk to like Equinox. There's a lot of like yeah. boutique gyms yeah. uh, you can go to. But now in New York, I feel it's true. Like there's so many like boutique hotels that they don't even have gyms or they have like a dumbbell. What yeah. about getting a rubber bands with you? Because that's what I usually do. That's great. Do. I, I mean, listen. Rubber, uh, resistant well, bands, not rubber bands. Resistant. Yeah, resistant bands. I was bands. English, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can work on that a little yeah. bit. No, I think those resistant bands are amazing. Uh, like, to me, it doesn't really... It like, Again, it's like the meditation thing. It doesn't really matter what you do if it works for you, right? Yeah. If it works for you and you feel that's like it, takes, yeah. it works and it's doing the trick, great. Now, now when, you, when you're... Applying it to business, I will, I'll say this, like, when you start a business, you have no fucking clue if it's ever going to work. The what? Is that the right business or not? Who knows? Until it actually hits, right? So you're right. Discipline is imperative, but people can go on with a business for a while. And, and if there is no motivation in between, right, it's going to be hard to continue because you don't know if you have a proof of concept or something. How do you apply this? Discipline part to say, okay, look, it doesn't really matter if you made it or not, but the discipline part of learning curve oh, as a business. Oh, to, to yeah. business. Well, I think it's different. I think that when you're doing a business, number one, I think it's super important to be doing a business that you're genuinely passionate and interested. And I hate that. Again, I don't. I don't want to sit here and throw a lot of like of these very trendy hashtag mm-hmm. words like do something that you're passionate about yeah because a lot totally of times you. you could be doing it you i could be i could be really i passionate. was so passionate about makeup when i opened boxy charm it was my passion uh, no, exactly no. i'm I'm, pa- I, I'm passionate about watching you know serena williams play tennis but am i going to become a tennis a professional yeah. tennis player no so i feel like i think you have to have some kind of realism when you pick what you're doing, which what I mean by that is like doing something that, yeah, that you enjoy, but you're also, it's in your strike zone. You're good at it. 
right? Because the passion can be the actual business, the building, the creation of the business right. is the passion. Like to me, I love negotiating. Hmm. Okay. That's not exactly a, a full time. It could be a business. Actually, it is a business for me. A lot of the times I negotiate on behalf of like a lot of business partners I work with and people I oversee and different things I do. I love it. My, my thing is I love the thrill of the chase. I love, I love getting down to like, what the deal is going to be, how we're going to do it, who we're going to do it with, why, get, kind of like a producer, putting the pieces together, right? A, I like it, I'm good at it, so therefore I should like, kind of like do something around that area, right? I feel how people should be picking and choosing what they're going to do and what's going to really drive their success over time is doing something that they have a natural uh, natural tendency to be, to be good at, right? Like where they're, they, it's innately something that they're, they're good at. I'm bad at math. So for me to become a physicist or a mathematician, or a data analyst, or a yeah. data you're analyst, swimming yeah. against right. the current. You don't exactly. Yeah. You're, you're swimming against the, against the, what did you call it? Against the current. A current. But that accent, I, I thought you said, <laughs> I thought you said quarant. I'm like, what is that? Uh, <laughs> You're acting. You gotta listen very intently, Carol. You know. I'm teaching you English uh, over yes, here. This you is the are. proper English. The Israeli right? in yes, you, right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, and I think that there has to be a, a nice blend. How, how did you find that for you? Well, number one, I, I think that num you know naturally. It's not like how did I find. I think a lot of it's trial and error, right? Like I think that people. I think also people do naturally like to do what they're good at. Right. Not to use the gym analogy, but I'm going to use another gym analogy, a fitness <laughs> analogy here. Right. But like, you know, when uh, girls love to work their lower body. Right. Why is it? Why is that? It's because we are naturally stronger in our booty and our legs than we are in our upper body. Mm -hmm. So what happens? We neglect our upper bodies because we're not good at it. We're already weak in that area. So we just forget about it. Right. It's, and with guys, it's the opposite, yep, so, right? Yeah. Guys like to work their chest and their up and their back because they're mm -hmm. strong there naturally, and they forget about their legs and they get like these little chicken legs. So I think what happens is we naturally fall into areas in life that we gravitate to areas in life that we are naturally better at, right? But for whatever reason, something happens and there becomes a disconnect with a lot of people, and then like they lose their way, and then because of pressure from what their society tells them or their family tells them or what they think they should do they separate from that and then they follow a path that's completely not even in line with who they are as people and that becomes a whole other rabbit hole but if we actually just like listen to ourselves and like follow what we naturally are inclined to do and what we gravitate to naturally we end up doing something we naturally are more passionate about for right so when you ask me my question it's like well um i've always been a very curious person i've always liked to work like i've, I've always very interested in people so it was a natural progression for me to ha have a podcast mm -hmm. i've always i loved when i started exercising at a young age around like 15 or 16 i loved how it made me feel i was also good at it right and i saw results and so I naturally wanted to kind of keep on pursuing it and keep on like digging deeper into that area. So then I became a trainer and then I like, you know, 
became, I write, wrote books on it and I had an app about it and I did all these other things. But you, you, did, you did do a lot of businesses around your hobbies, right? Because you like to work out. You, you're not just like, you're passionate about working out. So uh, whatever you did throughout life was around that, including your podcast, including the brand strategist you were in. No, actually, I started out doing something totally different that was not really a core interest okay. of mine, which is why I didn't last. And that that's how fitness actually became something that I built a real business around mm -hmm. because I went to I went you know I have like my undergrad is in psychology I have a business degree and you know I my first job was with a basketball team I worked for the NBA okay. and then I got I, I, I loved music always loved music and I got recruited while I was in business school to go work for BMG music okay. and so I ended up there for a bit even though I loved what did it, you study um, in business, I did mo mostly marketing and business. Sports okay. marketing was okay. my thing. And it was a special program in Canada. It was like a, a, a two-year sports marketing okay. um, specialty. And I, I did a, an internship with IMG. And I had all the, like, the, the cool jobs, like Nike and this and that. And I loved them all because it was like, it was in the periphery of like, of like act, it was in the periphery of activity and fitness. But it really wasn't the fitness part. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so when I went to when I went to BMG and um, did my I was I was marketing I, I became like the head of marketing and I got a job to come to LA to work for a different label. Uh, it wasn't like again it wasn't like I was like super like in love with. I liked it. I was good at it. But was I like was that like was I like throwing myself in there to work for fifteen hours a day? No. So. I, when I left that, I be, I decided to become a trainer, a personal trainer, just until I figured out what the hell to do with my life because I was really young and I fast tracked, and so when I did that, uh, I was also Canadian, so I wasn't allowed to work legally in mm. the U.S. That was how I was kind of stuck, kind of being very, I, I didn't have much to, I had to be very, I had to pick something that was easily how I can make money under the table, so to yeah. speak. So I became mm -hmm. a trainer. And that's when I had that aha moment, as Oprah would say. And I thought, okay, you know what? Now that I'm, I, I'm now a personal trainer, I have my certification, I took my contacts and I took everything I knew from the music world, went back into the music world, made a deal and negotiated this job that I created for myself, which was a label trainer to train talent for music videos and to train them for uh, tour. So I to took, train them in the gym to kind of yeah. So work. I went oh, from really? being a marketing person to it like running the budgets and marketing for all mm. this talent and like creating camp but marketing. That, that's campaigns. interesting. So that job wasn't ex it didn't exist. You just showed them there is a gap in the market and you said you need them to be fit. You need them to come ready. Let me train them. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that there was a gap in the market. There was no market for it. I knew that, I knew they were doing it already. There was trainers, but it you was know, personal trainers. It but I I figured this is I was taking two worlds. I was taking transferable skills. Right? We all have transferable skills. We all have things that we did before yes. in our past that we can utilize for what we're doing in our present or take them for the future. And that's what I did. I took things that I was naturally good at, which were relationship building. 
Um, but kind th of that did not exist before you told them about this, right? Well, as a I'm process. sure it existed to some extent. But not I'm, as a service. Like I'm she, not going to say. commoditized it a little bit and productized yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, let me say this. Well, I don't know if anyone else was doing it because I didn't give a shit what if anyone else was doing it. Yeah. I was thinking about my, I was thinking, listen, now I love exercise. I want to pursue that, that path, but I, I, and I have, I have relationships and I have an opportunity where I never wanted to ever cap myself at like a certain amount of money. Right. So if I was a trainer, if I was working at Equinox, right. Okay. Or working at any other gym, I would only be able to make Make it, make up your number, a hundred bucks an hour, 50 bucks an hour, right? And I'm only making that money if that person shows up, right? Mm -hmm. Now you can charge late fees, whatever, whatever, or just charge. My point is you're capped at the amount of money you're allowed to charge somebody based on that hour service. So my idea was a little bit more uh, in depth, which was what if I went to someone and became a retainer if I put myself on a retainer where you pay me five grand a month and I will train your staff and if they show up or not, I'm still getting paid. Number one, most of the time, a lot of times people don't show up. They like are late. Da, da, da. I didn't want to like have that hurt my, my, I guess my bank account. So that's why I had this idea of going to the labels. So it was a better way to trade your time for money. Well, it was I want, more secure. No, it was much more of a secure, a, a way that I was securing myself mm -hmm. uh, an exact amount of money per month. So let's say I was making five, okay, and then I know I'm making $2,000 a month, $5,000 a month, not now, like that, randomly. Was that your aha moment that you said about No, my, my, aha, my aha moment was I wanted to be a trainer. I wanted to do something more than train hourly. Okay. So that was my idea because I already had the relationships with the people at the label and I saw there to be an opportunity because all those people, all the talent, they I know what they do. I know how they spend their money. I know what they mm -hmm. do to get ready for a video. I know what they do to get ready for a tour. It requires a lot of physical training. It requires a certain kind of diet so they can be at their best version so when they go out there and do a show for two and a half hours they're at their best so i said to i went to the president of a, one label and i said listen this is what i want to do pay me x amount of dollars i will train everybody and you know uh let's see if it works and he was very confused because i was not a person that was like in his remember people meet you they think of you as how they met you first, right? He thought of me as a, a mm. bit like a music marketing person. Yeah. He wasn't thinking of me as like a personal trainer, physical trainer for uh, Britney Spears, right? He was thinking like, how am I going to make money from this music yeah. campaign that I'm putting together with one of our uh, retailers with HMV or Tower Records, right? Like it did, it was like kind of a disconnect. Like, wait, yeah. you were doing this? with this budget and now you want to come in here and do squats and lunges with, you know, Britney Spears, I'm confused. But, you know, I was, I, I, I was confident that I could do the job. And the truth is the out was, if it doesn't work out, then don't pay me. Don't pay me that month. Give me one month. Mm -hmm. So I think mm -hmm. the trick is also when you're, when you're doing something like that is don't 
don't make, don't put the onus on someone else to say no. Like give them every pot, like give them every reason to say yes and no mm -hmm. reason to say no. Right. So if he didn't have to pay me, if it didn't work out, then what, what's no there's, there's, there's no, no risk. risk. Yeah. Yeah. So don't give him a risk. Right. And so he's like, all right, I guess that's fine. Let's see what happens. And it worked out well. Cause I mm -hmm. knew how to like, I knew their talent already. I knew how their budget worked. I knew a lot of the internal business things that uh, that other people in the outside wouldn't know. So I knew how to make it work. And so one label turned into another that turned into another. And by the, you know, eventually I had. So you're saying you're saying labels. you're saying so once you already know the politic of one business and you have one or two skill sets, you might find another another opportunity on another business that have some similarities or a skill set that no one uses in that category. You already know the politic, you know the people involved, you have the relationship, you can just apply it. I'm saying use your assets. Use what yeah. you're good at and yeah. then and then amplify them. Amplify the That's assets. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Amplify the assets that you were already given, right? And not don't be afraid of what if someone says no. Don't be afraid if it doesn't work out. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. My entire brand is based on this one phrase, which is what is the worst that can happen? You're not, you're no better. You're no worse off now than you would yeah. have been yesterday by if, if, by not even trying. Right. So like, I think that you have to like lean really hard into what you're good at, what it, what are those assets? And then like, just double down and double down and then like go for it one. And if it doesn't work out, then you pivot. It doesn't work out. You try again, but you don't know unless you know, unless you try. So I knew I loved fitness. I knew the music world. I took, I, I was very, and so what I did was I took transferable skills. I took something that I kind of already knew to an area that I really wanted to be in. And I kind of like merge them together into an opportunity and do this when you're young. And yeah. I'm not saying that you can't do it when you're old, but I think you have to do a lot Take more of, risks. of, of, yes. of a lot of trial, like trial yeah. and error when you're young to really know what you want to do, yeah. as opposed to just like picking something and being like, this is what I want to do. And then when you're in middle age being like, I don't really want to do it. Yeah. You can change your career. Of course, anyone can change at any time. I'm a big proponent of, of age is, is really just a number and you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. But I do believe when we, the, the less we know, the more, the, the better it is, right? Naivety to me is a huge strength because if you don't know something, if you don't know, you're much more apt to take that risk, right? Now, mm -hmm. 20 years later, if I knew it, I, if I actually didn't know. You can also disrupt an industry if you didn't know. Because there, there are taboos that every industry creates where they say, oh, we know not to do that. And then it's just a, a law that was out there. No one is trying until someone new shows up. Elon Musk shows up. Let's just do electric cars. It's not going to work. But it keeps on. It keeps on. And eventually he changes the industry, right? It, it becomes paper. an industry. It becomes it an doesn't industry, even, yes. doesn't even change an industry. It yeah, the automobile an industry. industry or something. Right? It goes goes to the space, right? I'm going to bring the rocket back. It's crazy. Boom. Brings it back. Well, that's the worst so thing you can say, Yeah, right? the worst, yes. Like the, the worst thing you can say is that this is the way it's always been done. Yes. Right. That kills 100%. any innovation. Of course. Yeah. I mean, and that happens with most people, right? A lot of times, you know, in my, like, I've had, like, and I'm sure you guys do, like, You've had these ideas and then people burst your bubble and they're like, oh, you got like, that's already done. Or that's like, that's already, we don't, we don't do it that we way. We don't do it that All way or this happens. And so like, 
you lose that again. I always go back to this hope thing. You lose that hope and that and that inspiration to do it because you're listening to too many people. I see, I, I have this this thing that I just ignore everyone. I I say that I, I also yeah. I, I agree. And I also yeah. don't believe that's why I talk about the fact that like I don't believe in even having mentors necessarily. Because I think everybody mm-hmm. Is going to be giving you their. They're going to mold you. To they're going to mold you uh, to what their experience has mm. been, and yeah, no one's. Are you familiar with this brand? It's a skincare brand called um, Touch and I think it calls Touch and Soul. It's a Brazilian brand, and the the Brazilian brand, the the owners were actually industry people. She, it's uh, it's uh, two Korean ladies and. Uh, oh, what's it called? I want to say Touch and Soul or uh, Sol de Janeiro. I'm Am sorry, I to Sol look at de it? Janeiro. Yeah, you can check Sol de Janeiro. And they said that the first rule they learned when they went into the uh, L'Oreal and, and Louder when they started their brand is that no matter what you do, you never do a white cap for your packaging, white cap and a yellow component underneath it. So you don't want to have a white cap and yellow. It, it doesn't work. So the first thing they did with the first a white item. white cap? Yes, to close the, if you have a, a jar, uh-huh. the jar should not be yellow and the, and the tap and the cup should be white. Why? Rule in the beauty industry, no one ever does this because someone said not to do it. So the first thing they did was let's make it yellow and white. And guess what? That's the only one that stood out on Sephora and that blew out. No it way. Made, yes, it was making a killing. So the, the when <laughs> someone tells you don't do it, ask why not. If they don't have a straight answer, go ahead and try it. Go ahead and try it. There are just industries that are dinosaur industries that it took. They needed some shaking. They needed someone to modify those industries. And when you look at any traditional industry that was just hard to enter until it wasn't, especially now with social media, you can know almost any industry mm-hmm. you can come into. It was. It needed a disruption. And you you find that when, when I started Box, it was just why you give us all those rules before you even start thinking about what's important. And you find out. Someone that's not from the industry only think about what's important and all those taboos on those new first new steps you have to do. You don't think about it. So all your moves are critical because it's urgent and important. You don't do anything that you don't have any waste in your time, in your meetings. It's only about what's important. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. How you grow. This is actually a big issue with startups when startups try and hire really experienced talent. Yes. Yes, ex- exactly. And then you bring in this experienced talent and the founder is super creative. They, they they've never been in the industry. They want to build something brand new. Then you bring in this experienced talent and it's like a snuffer like on that candle, right? It just yeah. like kills everything. And then you get you slow down. And then you don't have speed and you don't have velocity because everything has to be done the way it's always been done. Yeah, so that's a hundred percent true, and that's why I, I could not agree with you more. I, I see you that. You see this, I'm sure. With the I brand. see that yeah. all the time. I, in, in stuff with me, like I, I, I think I come to everything with such a naivety, right? Like I, I which get is all these, actually awesome. Which is, yeah. I think. I mean, listen, I think it does. I, I think it is, and then that's why I don't allow. I've, I've seen it. I've, it's happened before many times in my life, in my career. I, I get my best ideas. When I'm running on a treadmill, mm. I don't know why. I just, I, that's, that's your, when I that's get your my, meditation. that's my meditation yeah. and I get my best ideas. And there's been many times when I've like, I jump off the treadmill and I like get my, I get this inspiration and I say, and I say, and I say it to somebody and they're like, oh my God, that's so stupid or that's not going to work. And then like, it, like it, it really like, it takes the wind out of your sails and mm. then I never pursue it. And then I see like a year, two years later, it's just happened before that happened. Someone else 
did it and it became like a massive success. Mm -hmm. So number one, that's the first thing I was going to say. Number two, uh, I also feel like, again, this hope is such a big thing, but I think that that's why when you speak to somebody, sometimes it's best not to, to, to either have one or two people that you really kind of value their opinion. But honestly, like that naivety, like I think when you surround yourself with people who haven't done it before, you get way more value than going around a lot of people that are way too experienced because that's what makes them so myopic. And that's when they can only see what's in front of them. And to me, that's like, that's like, it, it, that's like the stop is in the start. Then you mm -hmm. don't even do it because mm -hmm. someone's already taking out that hope and that like interest. I, so. feel, I feel like, I feel like the, um, the commonality when you, when you follow a particular process because you came from an industry and you're doing what everyone else is doing is that you kind of like stand in traffic because we're all going the same direction instead of someone new that comes in and they just move to the left lane that's mm -hmm. empty and we don't go there why i don't know we just don't we're all staying in that lane we're like sheep it's like yes. it's like being sheep yeah. like people herd. just like follow the herd yes because someone just because one person's done it doesn't mean that or because just because someone has not done it or because it's it's scary to do something different doesn't mean that you shouldn't be doing something different and doesn't mean it's not it's, it's not going to be successful right because the only way to, it, to disrupt anything is to disrupt something right mm -hmm. to do it a different way that's to the definition it, of that disruption. is the, doing that it, is the yeah. definition of yeah. disruption yeah. is yeah. to do it a different way or to yeah. do it some like elon musk is a great example who would have thought in a million years that there would be now every single car company is now making an electric car yeah and and the kind of backlash that he was getting i mean i, I remember an interview where uh, someone told him that he, during the time when he just started tesla he was talking in a in a conference and the ceo of mercedes was sitting next to the reporter and he told him aren't you going to do electric car and he told him, the guy doesn't know what he's doing he's going to fail and now look at mercedes trying to copy me like a decade later right what elon musk a is doing decade so, later. And, that, and that's coming from mercedes i mean they're innovators supposedly they're good but here it is so it can happen to everybody but you know um when when we're looking at uh, kind of like what we're doing, that there's always mistakes that we did were kind of like a learnable lesson that are good mistakes, like good we did this. Do you have any kind of like experience where you made you messed it up and you kind of learned you did this? You, you're happy you did this because you learned something. Yes, I think that I, I, I'm going to say that I think sometimes someone's best quality is also their can be their worst quality, mm -hmm. and I think for me that is I'm extremely impulsive, okay. and sometimes I do things. Um, again, out of that like excitement mm -hmm. and uh, naivete in a way, or just actually a lot of times in this regard to excitement. And um, I've done a lot of different things where if I would have just like taken a breath and taken a beat and, and, and stepped back, I wouldn't have shot myself on the foot mm -hmm. as much times. And I did that with my first company called No Gym Required. Um, and I made it was like a good what example. Like what happened with it? With, with I punched him in the face. I shouldn't have done this. Yeah, before. right. <laughs> I did a deal with somebody who um, I, you know, uh, it was a it was a shoe deal, and I spent a lot of money on the legalities. It was like my first company I've ever done, and I really desperately wanted to do the deal. And this is another thing, right? Like sometimes if you want something so bad, it's like you, you can't see the forest in front of the trees, right? Like you'll make up every excuse. Like there was a lot of red flags yeah. why I shouldn't have mm. done that deal. 
but I just wanted to do it so badly. Like to me, it was such a sign of that that I that I've like that I've succeeded, or that I like that the work I de did pay off if I got this big deal. That I just didn't want to like see all the red flags, and there were a lot of red flags. And long story short, I'd made the deal, and once the papers were technically signed and we started, it was, turned out to be a whole different thing than I thought it was going to be. And I had to get out of the deal and it cost, it was, it was a fortune to get out of the deal and relationships were fractured because of it. And, uh, it just, it really just, it, it, it basically didn't end well for me. So you know, a lot of times perception is not reality. Mm. I can sit here and say, oh yeah, I had a great exit with my first company because technically I did. I was, I, I got acquired by someone, but it was a shitty deal and mm. it didn't end well for me. And I didn't make much money. It, I actually ended up losing money from mm. all the legal bills. So I guess why I'm saying this is that sometimes it's, I think it's sometimes as I, I talk a lot and my, my, my new book is called Bigger, Better, Bolder because I think it's extremely important to be bold and really chase what you want and not take what you get uh, and really go after those things. But I think it's also really important to be mindful of who you're getting in bed with, both figuratively mm -hmm. and literally, right? And then take a beat because a lot of times we can act without foresight and then we can really regret our, our, our what we did and it's hard to unwind. So, um, but that actually, that point that you're making right now, that came from your original point, which was that excitement can be a, a bad thing, a detriment, impulsiveness. impulsiveness, but also it can be a, a, a good blessing thing. and a curse. Yeah. It's a blessing and a curse. And I think most of us have, our best qualities can be our worst qualities. And it's about knowing and, and, and being able to discern for when it's, when it's working for what, yeah. right? Like, I think that you can take, you could take, you can take three steps forward and six steps back sometimes if you're not, if you're not conscientious of what you're doing. I totally agree. I, so can I'll, you give us an example? Oh, I was going to say, Yosef, yeah. you have it. I was going to say, Yosef, I have a million have, apps. Yeah. I have, I have, because I can relate. I'm, I'm very impulsive too. And I think that many times I felt myself like, shit, I should have shut the fuck up and listen and ask more questions before I come up with a conclusion. Um, and I found myself, uh, I found that. That's what I do too. Yeah. I talk sometimes way more than I should. Yeah. yeah. And then I because can. Because you feel you know it all I, and you, yeah. Or I feel like I can't just, I just, I, I'm excited and I, I don't want, I don't want there to be that silence or I don't want but, there to be that moment where I lose the but deal. Tell me, tell me if you feel the same, that impulsive people are, they, we are very much uh, kind of like urgency for us. Every urgency. I mean. Sense of urgency. Yeah, sense of peak. urgency. So, That's so, exactly how I feel. Yeah, and I think with sense of urgency, yeah, we, we end up breaking eggs here and there, but overall, we capture momentum is better than anybody. 100%. That's right? what I was going to say. That's what I'm saying. It's a blessing and a curse. Like, am I further along maybe than I... Uh, am I further along maybe than I would have been? I think 1,000% I am. Has it, has it broken a few eggs, if not a few dozen eggs, yeah. and ruffled a few feathers? 100%. But I think... 
at the net, 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 like I'm still, I'm still out much, I'm out mm. further than I would have you been. You have to think like if you hadn't, have, if you hadn't have been impulsive, if you hadn't done that deal, you would have been in that company for longer. You wouldn't have had this crappy exit. You wouldn't have, maybe you wrote it out for another 10 years. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. And maybe that was a waste of your time. All the other opportunities that came to you after, and maybe because you got burnt, I don't know how bad, but maybe you got burnt a little bit from this partnership. Maybe it was a good thing you got burnt earlier on so that you didn't get burnt later on with a bigger deal. Well, I think there's two things. First of all, I think it's really important for anybody listening to, to for people to have a come to Jesus with themselves on a regular basis, yeah. right? Because a lot of times we try to we try to fool ourselves or we do fool ourselves and we trick ourselves into why we're doing what we're doing and we end up doing things for the wrong reasons versus if we took a step back or just didn't do anything, I take, took a pause and thought of why we're doing it in the first place, we can save ourselves a lot of pain and anguish. I think that's yeah. the first thing. The second thing I have to say to what you said is, you know, there's a whole, I, I don't want to like bore you with this whole idiom, but there is a really good one that, you know, one thing, if, if one thing didn't happen, then the other thing wouldn't happen. I want to tell you, I'm going to tell you this story. You may have heard it. And if it's too long, you can edit it out, okay? But I'm going <laughs> to tell it to you anyway, okay? Have you heard about the Chinese farmer, the story with the Chinese with farmer? The maybe, 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 with the sound that... Yes. Yes. I haven't heard it. Okay, I'm going to tell you, okay? And if you don't like this... No, no, I love it. I your... think it's a great story. Okay, yeah, go ahead. it's your podcast, so you can no, always edit no, no, it no, out. No, 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 don't okay? worry, go ahead. <laughs> but I was like, this story like hit, like hit always hits home for me every time. So I'm going to share it with you. Good. Okay, this, this is it. So, and if you can interject, if you like, a, the Chinese, this, there's a Chinese farmer, he loses a horse. Is that the first part of it? Okay, go on with this because it can be told in different ways, but I, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested. Told. Go ahead. Don't <laughs> worry about me. I, I love everything you're saying. Go ahead. Go. Go. <laughs> first of all, just so you know, he's not like an expert in Chinese farmer stories. So I like, am, senor. 15 years in university, just about farmers in China. You gotta, like wait, asking why, him if, you're, no, if you, you nailed gotta, the intro. You know, no, I, you know why I did this that? This is how you shake the confidence. I know the story. Maybe I don't. I don't know. He probably Maybe. doesn't even know the story. He, saw, he probably saw it on like, he probably saw like a hashtag oh with Chinese God. farmer. I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later media. the one I know, but let's see if it's even yeah, the same the only, one. And the only reason why I said that, just FYI, was because I think I forgot the beginning of the story, but I'm going to try it now. The other thing is, why does he have to be a Chinese farmer? Maybe I never, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. It could be an Israeli, it could be an Israeli farmer, yeah. a Mongolian farmer. The, the, the biggest difference you picked was Mongolian farmer. What about yeah. American I mean, they're farmer? they're right by there, so they get confused. They share a big border together. Who knows? <laughs> what about New it's Zealand true. farmer? Yeah, that's not going to happen because they wouldn't get confused on that. It could, be an, it could be any any race farmer. Any but, race farmer, yes. Okay, but for the for the purpose of the story, this is the story of the Chinese farmer. Yes. Okay, so there's a Chinese farmer, okay? He has um, a, a wild horse that went running, that ran away. Okay? That's not the one I know. It's not. Don't worry about it. Go, that. go, just go. Keep on going. We, we love the story. I, it's already better than what, mine. Okay, That's, what's the first sentence of your story? Then we're going to go back to mine. That's the thing. I don't remember my first sentence. I just See? remember the okay, whole I'm story. Okay, I'm going to try my story. Yes. Okay. There's a Chinese farmer. Okay. He has a wild, he has a, a pack of wild horses. His most prized wild horse runs away. Okay. All his neighbors and the people in the, in the 
in a small community come running to him. They're like, oh my God, that's so terrible. I, I, what are you going to do now? You need that, that, that very famed wild horse. Um, oh my, you're, it's, that's terrible for you. And the Chinese farmer very calmly says, well, maybe. maybe. <laughs> and so the next day... <laughs> I'm, I'm an expert in Chinese stories, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the next day... Do you remember the next? Do you remember the next sentence? I do, I do, I do. Just, just continue. Don't worry about me. Well, I forgot the next sentence. So the the story <laughs> is that after that they told him, "Look, it's a good thing we found the horse. Is it a good thing?" He said, "Maybe." Then his son ride the okay, horse. Okay, okay, got it. I'm taking over. Yeah. It's all okay. Yours. So the guys. So the Chinese farmer. It's a teamwork. Yeah. So the Chinese farmer said, "I'm going to start the story from the beginning now." Of course. We're going to rewind you it you on could, the podcast. All could, that will yes. be deleted. You can edit that. I'm not editing any of this you out. Can edit, you, can ed, you, you could edit that if you want. Yeah. I'm starting again. The story, this is the story. The story is there's a Chinese farmer with a pack of wild horses. His most prized wild horse runs away, loses that wild horse. All of his neighbors, all the people in the community rent to his house. They couldn't believe this. They were like, oh my God, what are you going to do? That's so horrible for you. Lost your prized wild horse. And the Chinese farmer says, maybe. The next day, uh, the wild horse comes back. Everyone is like just just elated. They, they, they run to the Chinese farmer's house again. They're like, oh my God, you must be so happy that the wild horse is back. The guys, the, the Chinese farmer says, maybe. The same day, later on that day, the, the Chinese farmer's son goes on a horse ride with the, wild, with, the, with, the, with the wild horse, falls off, breaks his ankles and his legs. And the people in the community and the neighbors run back to the Chinese farmer. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs, no more servers, no more updates, just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary.
I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much, Indeed, for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, 
the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. And say, oh my God, you must be so upset. I can't believe this happened. You're now your son is has these broken legs and you must be so like just horrified. The Chinese farmer says, maybe. The next day, uh, a bunch of people show up at the Chinese farmer's house because they are looking to... Um, they need people for the army, and they were going house to house, getting all the boys to go to fight in the army. They saw the Chinese farmer's son. The Chinese farmer's son could not go anywhere because he had these broken legs. And the neighbors, the community, come running back to the Chinese farmer's house, and they're like, oh, my God, you must be so happy because now your son is fr- is." is free. He doesn't have to go fight in the army. You must be so relieved. The Chinese farmer says, maybe. The point and the moral of the story is you never know how one thing is going to affect another thing, right? So even if something doesn't work, and if it's a failure or a total colossal failure, it can be a real success. It can really change the whole trajectory of your life in a really positive, impactful, most important way, right? But you don't know that whole story. So you can't take one piece or one chapter or one page and think that's going to be the entire thing because it's the accumulation of the entire life that really tells you the real story. Absolutely. Is that what Absolutely. you're going to no, say? No, yeah, this, and this is, this, is a, this is exactly what it is, right? You have a mistake in a business. Well, how old were you when it happened? 22, 32. Okay, are you dead? No. Okay, so you're going to learn. You have many more years to go. That's going to teach you now. If you keep doing the same mistake, I mean, it's, uh, it's, I mean I've, seen, I've seen situations where I had people working for me and you see them making a mistake again and again and they think it was actually good and they want to double down and my analogy was you you try you attack trash in the winter and now you want to do it every winter just you haven't learned so if you are learning from your mistakes mistakes are teachers and mistakes are a good thing for you to continue because you need those mistakes and if you didn't have mistakes you didn't try hard enough because you're just in your comfort zone and you're not taking enough risks. yeah you're not taking it yes. i mean yes but i think with this with the story that i was telling you Guys. Your story or the parable? The parable story. Okay. Yeah, the story. The story that I was trying to like explain over and over again with, with you. Mm-hmm. I think the, the, the real moral of that story isn't about that. It's about the fact is like you can't count yourself out for 
a failure or for a, a misturn or something that didn't go your way because mm-hmm. you don't know what the entire story you haven't is. finished it you haven't finished the yes. you but haven't finished the story the biggest issue with that is that nobody many people don't look at life that way so a negative event happens and then it's downward spiral that's and true. That's a big issue yes. for a lot of founders. And they also connect failures. They I, say, I failed here. And then they remember all the failures they in connect the past. All the, they, it's like they, they, they connect all the... It's so easy to dots. remember the failures. Yes. Well, to be honest with you, I don't remember... I think it's the opposite. I think I don't remember... I failed at almost everything I've ever done, but I don't remember anything. If you ask me all the things... Like when people ask me this all the time on podcasts or interviews, they're like... Give me your top three failures. I mean, yeah, I know I, I can name a, a, a few of them, but if I actually like, I can't, I've been failing for so many years that it become it's so part of, again, who I am. It doesn't make a difference. If I failed, it obviously didn't like, it, it didn't, it didn't deter me or didn't like, it didn't detract me from trying again and again and again. The, the, the thing about that is that you can allow just something that didn't work out this and by the way, this is not just business. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about relationships. Just because you broke up with someone or you had a failed marriage or you had a failed business doesn't mean that you're not going to be successful on the next Correct. on the next round, Correct. right? So you can't let something that didn't work out uh, change the trajectory of what you're going to try to do because you're stuck in what didn't work. I think I think a lot of what I've done is I've been able to like get myself up and brush brush off whatever happened and have a really short-term memory of that loss to try for something else. And I think having that short-term memory, so to speak, or not allowing that that rumination, that marination and dwelling of all that negative what-ifs to kind of change and, and d- deter you from trying again. Because you don't know the end of the story. You can kiss a lot of frogs and be out with mm-hmm. a lot of jerks and then, you know, find your Prince Charming like 40, you know, when you're like 65 years old. I've met, I met a woman a lo- really recently, actually, who was married for 40 years to a man. She wasn't unhappy, but she wasn't happy and met the love of her life. And she's now 79 years old. I mean, mm. you don't know what you don't know, but you can't, you can't just stop stop living because you're just afraid of what could maybe happen yeah i guess i guess, I guess the the way people look at things are that you have a couple you know, a few types of people right and it's always going to be like this you have people that break and it's hard for them to mentally get up because that was their image and some other people just it's just about the last man standing for them. They're going to continue. It's just they're relentless, no matter how bad it is. So you can see it also on social media. Some people were going through some drama, got canceled, and they never got through this. They just just, just decided to... I mean, to take it to the extreme, people, people have committed suicide yes, over being canceled. So exactly. Who? There's oh, people. people have. I, I won't have names off the top of my head, but I know that see, I've seen stories about people that have canceled their I know, I know people in the beauty industry oh, that, yeah. were, that, that were canceled, ended up in a hospital because of the stress. I think bullying... Never came back. Really? Yeah. I think being canceled, being bullied, but I think the bullying is what's really, really um but What's the difference between that and cancellation? Um, I don't see a difference. I think there is a difference. I have a few friends who've been canceled on social media and they just don't give a fuck and they're just doing their life outside. But that's because they handled it better. Yeah. Right, but being bullied is when people are like, are 
are shaming you for something over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I think there's a difference. Yeah, that's um, different. And that's I think different than th- cancellation. That's different than cancellation. What I think a bigger question here that maybe you guys want to answer is like, can you teach somebody how to be relentless if it's not something that's naturally in your bones? That's that's that would the be your question. Discipline. The discipline well, actually, part I, I would just, be the best advice. Just continue posting. If it's on social media, continue posting. Eventually, you learn that it dies off, and after the first time, the second time is not as hard. I know a guy. That's that, a good. That's. I think that's a very smart point. Is that that in anything in life, and it's that it's that continual tr- the continual of, of doing it over and over again that makes you immune to the negative yes the potential negative outcome and that's what i actually talk about i have a whole thing called the 10 percent target which is all about that becoming desensitized to failure desensitized to to um someone saying no where you do it so many times it becomes it doesn't even affect you anymore it's like water off a duck's ass yes is that a saying now it is. All right. <laughs> Guys, you heard that saying. This is it. You know what, though? The, the, the first word in your podcast, habits, that's what I think is actually allows you. To, yes. That's how you teach discipline, quote unquote. Yes. That's how you teach it. So I don't have to teach discipline if I can teach you that every day to post on social media, you should wake up and from, you know, 8 to 9 a.m., you write a post and you push it out. That's, that's, I don't have to teach you anything. I have to tell you the framework. And then if you have to commit to doing that for a long enough period of time, you'll see the results. So you just did something also that commit. People don't want to commit. People don't want to commit for long periods so of time. quantify the outcome. Though. The difference between winners and losers are people who persevere for longer than others. That's, the all, over, that's all it is. I think it mm-hmm. has nothing to do with anything else. But that's what makes somebody, it's like, that's relentlessness. That is perseverance. The only difference between a winner and a loser is how long you stay committed to what you're trying to do and not give up. You know what you're saying is a classic, the classic example for this is when you go through negotiation, if you're getting divorced, it didn't happen to me, but for some people go through divorce, there's that one day that we're sitting down and we're going to finish this and it can start at at the 12 and it can end at 4 a.m right and at that time you see and it happened actually with us with negotiation when we sold boxy charm it was in up until 4 a.m and at that point when one pushes the other towards something you see who's the last man standing because you know what just say give it to them and you had those red lines but you're gonna start crossing them because of that one night and if you go in with a mindset of like it's about the last man standing and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue and I'm okay with walking away with nothing and start a war or if it's a divorce, whatever it is, right? Partners splitting up their business, anything else. That day when you sit down with your lawyers and they have their lawyers and you're there to finish this, that is probably going to be about the ones that understand what they're entering. Mm-hmm. And it's player versus player. Until the end. Mm-hmm. And it's anything else in life, right? It's, it's about anything else in life. If you continue uh, doing it. Now, how do you tell someone that just doesn't have a product market fit and he thinks he has to continue trying to sell that product that doesn't have a market fit? Where is it where you need to say, okay, this is not about discipline and last man standing. This is about you needing to modify your product because the market didn't yeah, like it. Yeah, that's a whole different how do you, thing. How do you go to someone and tell them no, 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 this is not, the difference? No, no, it's not. It's not. I'll tell you why. Uh, let me just draw a parallel between fitness and business. Why so, fitness? Because no. it's another it's, thing uh, that you need discipline with. I mean, if oh, you're, you're talking if, about that part. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, so if you're saying, how do you know if somebody has product market fit and they're trying, trying, trying with their business not working? 
what if you're doing a workout routine that's not yielding results over six months a year? Like, how do you how do you understand when it's time to cut it? Try something. You modify it. You tweak. But how do you know? Like, that's what he's yeah. asking. How not you- seeing any return on your investment. But I think it's. Di- I'll tell you why I think it's different. We talked about this earlier, you and I, mm-hmm. right? I think if you have a shitty product, you have a shitty product. All that you could have, you know, it's the product first, marketing second. Yes. Right. That's right. With fitness, if you're not seeing a return on your investment, if you're not seeing the result that you're trying to get, that's when you have to tweak and modify, mm-hmm. right? That's I think that that's a different thing. You eat you, a cake you, every you, day, you right? <laughs> yeah. If you eat a cake, right? Exactly. Yeah. You start to. I can give you things you can do, quantifiable things. Are you journaling? Are you writing down everything you're eating? Are you mm-hmm. are you doing heavy enough weight? Are you doing you know? Are you working out? Are you consistent? Are you blah blah blah? Right? If you have a shitty product. You have a shitty product. You can go, okay, how can I modify and tweak this? Um, is the product, you know, why isn't the product working? Uh, could it be, who, how can we make it better? Is it, can we make it faster? I don't know what the product is. Can we make it, make it faster? Well, can we make it product? more? Was the product that you, like, so you Which had. product? You had the. My shoe? Not the shoe, but the, you sold the app to eight. The app, by the way, and I'm not just saying this because. I was involved. The app was extraordinary for one main reason, besides lots of other reasons. It, the, it's the user. Fr- if you're going to have an app, which is a, it's a tech company, yeah. have the tech work. It was extremely user friendly, mm-hmm. right? And it was easy to use. If you're in, a, if you're in, a, if you're in a tech space, make sure the tech is working. If you're in the fitness space, make sure your fitness program has great testimonials and the pro and, and that thing works. Be exceptional in whatever area that you are supposed to be exceptional in. I think I personally believe that what we do, we, we all try to throw a big heavy net, like a big net on everything and be be everything to everyone. I think you what you should be doing is street it's focusing and be really 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 good in one area and then at when once you get that marketplace then you can expand outwards right i think what a lot of like brands are doing like you know muscle milk did this back when years ago when i was working with them another company jim weed who is now doing this who um i like this their their, their companies that what and I can name other brands too that do this. Some some do this very well. If you want to be an energy drink, right, or like a functional energy beverage, right, sell to those people first in the fitness business. Like sell to the CrossFitters, mm. sell to the people who are actually doing it day in day out. Capture and get that market. Mm-hmm. Once you got them, then you can expand to the general public, right? So like niche down like, first. Like knit, like yeah. niche down first. Mm-hmm. And really, like, just make that, make your product, like, make it so good to the people who are actually going to be using it every single day. And then you can, like, and then, exactly, and then yeah. you know, and then you can, like, and then you can kind of expand. But what I see a lot of people doing now is they try to throw a lot of shit at the wall and they try to, like, they water down their usage and their product by trying to be everything to everyone versus being one thing to one person because you can find way more success in that way. You know, you know what? I like that because when I was running the company, um, I kind of like learned that if you want to build a passionate community, it's not about the size of the community. It's about the passion of the community. Yes. And you usually need to find commonality and they have to be in the same space and they have to activate together. So it has to be a smaller, tight group, people that are already connected 
that would be talking about your product as a new product and get passionate around Absolutely that. agree yes. with you, 100. And this is what we were saying earlier. This is about social media in general, right? Everyone is so concerned about the number they have on like how many how many followers people mm. have how many followers do you have how many followers do you have it doesn't matter how many followers you have if you don't have an engaged community you can't do shit with those followers yes. right so you can buy as many followers as you want but if those people are not interacting with whatever you're doing there it's a useless way it's, you can't monetize it for shit yeah. so why spend your energy time money on it like i'd rather have 5,000 followers that are super engaged and active where I can create an actual legitimate business around where I can build a community, you know, sell products that are, are like-minded with them versus 5 million with four people who are barely engaged. Yeah, 5,000 5, very engaged people are going to be so loud that so can loud. bring in so many people and it's going to be very pervasive for anyone that starts talking to them about your product and they'll bring in a lot more versus having... 500,000 passive non-engaged followers or even 5 million that say absolutely nothing. So the, the numbers of people is, is about how pass the, the challenge is how do you take all those evangelists and put them together? Right in the same place because if you put no, all the question those, is how do you find those evangelists? How do you find them? I think that there's the problem is that there's so much there's so many and so much of everything that it's very hard to find your community because you might be a great product and you might be selling something that's great and you might have all the right intentions behind it. But how do you get to, how do you build that community when they're, let's say you're trying to do a, a beauty company, like you're saying, let's say you're, you have a, you're a clean beauty line and you have beautiful makeup that's clean, paraben free and has no chemicals, but you're already comp competing with the beauty counter who has millions of people and they have a huge engagement and they have a huge community. How do you disrupt mm -hmm. if you have a better product, if they have all those people? How do you, if you, I'll, and, I'll and answer, if you don't have the money, and I'll if you don't have the yes, money. Yes, so creativity comes a long way. So I'll tell you the, the way I believe in. Your job is to make sure that people wouldn't just go and talk about you, but also create pages and groups about mm -hmm. your company. How can you influence them to do it. So you find the first one and then you start talking to that first one and you get on your page, whatever engagement you send your people to that person's page. Intuitively, it would create a lot of people's intuition said, if I'm going to create a page about that company, I'm going to start having followers. Then more starts creating those pages. Yeah. And then before you know it, it can be very progressive. How do you do that though? Sorry. I should so in my, in my experience when I was doing this and I think it was, uh, I mean, it's kind of like a, uh, easier when we had Boxy because Boxy, let's just say at one point we had 200,000 followers on Instagram. Later on, we got to millions. But, but the point is, some people started creating a page about BoxyCharm to exchange products on, on Facebook. So I joined them. And I would go and talk on the BoxyCharm page saying, do you want to know what's next month in a box? You're not going to hear it over here. Go to those pages. So from one day to another, they went from, say, 1,000 people on their groups to 20,000 people. And then more people wanted to do the same. And everyone that, before you know it, you had 100 people doing those Facebook groups. And I joined them all. And I would do the same on Instagram and fan pages on Instagram. So I said, you talk about Boxy, I'll support you. I'll help you grow. And then they would do the job bringing all the people. They would go and work for you, kind of like on an MLM, knocking on doors, telling people, hey, do you want to buy encyclopedia? That's what they end up doing.
And you influence few people, 200, but eventually we had hundreds of thousands because of those 200. Mm -hmm. The one group with 90,000, one Instagram but, page but, with 90,000. But, but yeah, because you had a small group of super, small. super exactly. engaged people who really genuinely like loved that yes. thing. And they were your salesmen. They were the yeah. ones who did it. You know, that's like the same with Instagram I or anything you, else. Oh. You have it's the 80-20 rule, right? Mm -hmm. That's that in life. That's what, it works in everything. You yes. have the, the the that's what it works. This yes. is so strong. This Don Julio. It's the first one, and you didn't finish it. Well, listen. Do you know how strong this? It's called Don Julio Primavera, 1942. What's the difference between this one and the other Don Julio? So this is more of a special edition, and this is the traditional I think Don this Julio. Is Blanco Reposado. No, it's not I'll Blanco. tell you. This oh, one says uh, tequila. Yeah, you're right. This is Reposado. I don't know if this is Blanco, but oh, uh, no, this, this is Anejo. Sorry, this is Anejo. What's so the difference between Anejo? Like Blanco is like like white. Like yeah, I like water. that one. Anejo the Blanco. Is Where's like it saying Anejo over here on the label? So what's oh. Anejo? Because I know okay. what Blanco Anejo. is. I don't know what it actually means. Oh, okay. Anejo. I don't know what Anejo That's means. Slightly different but flavors. this one says Primavera. Oh, okay. This one says Primavera, which means spring. Got it. Okay, I'm not trying to brag, but I do speak some Spanish. I'm kind of conversational <laughs> for one summer class. Again, don't want to be. Can I tell you bragging, something really funny? I'm hum, I'm I literally took a sip of a sip and I'm a little drunk. <laughs> it, doesn't take much. it doesn't take much. And also, I've been saying since I got here how hungry I am. So the combination of being super hungry and then taking a you sip of this. You want more shots? You want to try this one? Not a good combo. You what? want to try this one now? I do, but I'm going to be like falling off the chair and yet I Chug haven't eaten anything. Chug this one and I'll give you this one. Chug it. Chug it? What am I in? Like at spring break in Cancun? I mean, how long? I mean, you want to eat chug, so we can chug. make it faster. If you finish I this, know. then I get you this and then we go eat. How about how about we finish the podcast, okay. I go eat something and then I'll have some tequila right, so I don't do fall that. off my chair in a drunken mess and embarrass myself. This, this is fair. a stable chair, but okay, that's, I, don't <laughs> think, I don't think you're going to fall all right, so we're talking, we're serious people over here. Let's talk business. Now I understand the whole thing now. Now, now it makes understand. perfect sense. I missed yeah. the entire... You demanded on coming at, at during the day. I didn't understand why you wanted me here at night, really, but now I do. Yeah. So you, you can have a drink you see and the like reaction. relax, exactly, yeah. versus at noon. It's okay. <laughs> when did we start talking about during our break time uh, when we said, let's, let's talk about this? Talking about fillers and stuff like that? Or people oh, mess no, we're talking up? about, pe we're looking at people on social media and we're talking about how LA can be, you know, people look fake there. And I said, I see people looking fake everywhere. And you said, I don't like when they look fake in the face. You don't yeah, mind I think the I think that there's a point where they fuck themselves up because they don't see the reality of what they really look like, and they don't stop with fillers and more fillers. Some of them can really look good, but then they go all crazy. They go, uh, and then yeah. So that's that's where like boobs, you know, do whatever you want, but then you that's can't what really. You said boobs, it. do whatever you whatever want. This is a side effect of what you were speaking about before when people have this like social media, um, like they just need to have validation through social media. And they need to have more followers. They need to like look a certain way, yeah. act a certain way. I think that all of this, not all of it, but a lot of it comes from like social media. I think also what I think, yes, I agree. But what I was going to say is I think like anything else, it hap it can happen kind of so slow that it pervasively like gets into your world where you don't know the difference between what's reality yes. and what's not reality yes. anymore. It's like you use filters constantly. So when you see yourself in a real mirror without a filter, you can freak out. You're like, oh my God, this is what I really look like because you, you trick yourself into this 
like alternate reality, which is so dangerous. There, there are multiple requests now. It, it's known that the request now going to uh, plastic surgeons by Gen Z mm, is totally. to go and match what you see in filters where they make a different type of face uh, shape. They modify the face. And yeah. it was just a matter of time until it's going to happen. It's really actually so, so sad. You know, yeah. I see these beautiful girls, these young girls who are in their 20s, young 20s, and they're addicted to plastic surgery because of that reason, because they're not, because they're so accustomed to using Snapchat filters, IG filters that, to what I just said, it's like they don't even, they think that they're ugly now in real life, which is A, a huge problem. B, it's so pervasive in your life and it, it, it affects you in so many other ways, like the low self-esteem and insecurity and, and, and lack of confidence. It's just terrible. And I don't see it getting any better. It's in fact getting worse and worse and worse. I have a friend that only date professional models. And he said he doesn't want to date just regular Instagram, Instagram girls because they get a bunch of input from guys. But professional models, they always compete with other models and they always look at every square inch in their face and they see everything and they have all that insecurity built in where he talks to them. They are the insecure. Yeah, there is. And he's not like a spring chicken over there. Yeah, We're talking me, about a guy that's like, okay, but uh, that's but, even more of a problem. Yes. So why is your this? I think that's the issue. So like you, you started by saying, oh, I have this friend who who will only date professional yes. models. So what's his insecurity? Does he have to own what well, that Ideally, he has to only he's, date he's, professional uh, models? It's kind of like an easier prey. He's from what, what? I, I mean, I didn't ask that, but I would say it's easier pray oh is your pray yes okay. It like, okay also you can know already how to speak to a particular crowd you know already the lingo you have I don't that think it's a positive zone. thing i think it's like, no, to yeah. your point i'm like, saying it's a terrible yeah, thing it's, it's like, like it's a really bad thing not a, you need an insecure person to be with you so you can feel secure but but that's something that happens and i don't think it's the only one no of course it's not the only one so yeah. that's a that is that's an epidemic in itself yes but what i mean is that that sentence is so disturbing. It's like I'll only date professional models. It's, it's because only people who are so insecure that they have no idea who they are, or what they are, that they need outside validation because of the sound of it. A guy who will only date a model, what like you? There's no a that does that mean there's no other beautiful person or not, no other beautiful girl in the world besides if their career is a model? Well, it's almost like a little bit of and, narcissism in that too. Yeah, and it's also like it's, it's like yeah. a, it's like a status symbol in some way. They're yeah. doing it for status. But even more to that, it's like such a creepy thing to be about. Like who, I mean, I who would want to only date you? Who would want to date you? Like who are you? I mean, before place. you get mad at him, you haven't met him. He's actually, he's not bad. But my point is... <laughs> to my, you, he's not bad. No, no, no. My, yeah. He's my nice point, to me. My point, my point behind this, like. my, point be, my point behind this is that you get the most beautiful women based on what society said, what's beautiful, I don't know, but because they're the more ones that people get willing to pay for pictures. However, they're the more insecure because the entire job is about how they look like and their comparisons is kind of like more mm -hmm. them. And everyone is looking at her, she has beautiful hair and... I don't, and also, so she would look at those little anecdotal parts, but from the side, people would say, crazy, you're gorgeous, what are you talking about? Right, well, it's because yeah. but that's the what, more... that's what society's messed up. That's, yeah. that's, so that's such my whole point. It is, a, that's yeah. completely messed up, and I was going to say that now the general public, right, with the pandemic and COVID and being stuck on Zooms now, and now that's become our, that's become like the norm, even after COVID has now thankfully uh, kind of, dissipated a little bit we're so used to looking at ourselves on even zooms that that's also another reason why plastic surgery has gone up in this in this 
country so much is because we're constantly staring at our imperfections where we don't think we're pretty enough or attractive enough or whatever, uh, that it's not just the modeling world, it's everybody. And I hate it. I like, I think I belong in the nineties. I want to go back to when like, actually part of the reason, so candidly, part of the reason why I even started a podcast is Mm -hmm. because when I hate, I hate people that bullshit online. I really don't like when people bullshit online. I found that like podcasting is the only way where you can actually get to speak to somebody and actually get all the bullshit aside and they can't fake a persona for like two hours. Yeah, you can. You don't think you can fake a persona for not, two not hours? The same way, so. Not the same way. I think I understand. The point is on I mean, Instagram, okay, so in on, Instagram on Instagram, you cannot really see who the person is, right? Recently, they started adding reels, but it's a very short form content. But when even a reel, at, it's basically a reel is someone's highlights. Like, I mean, exactly. how many people are putting their shittiest moments on Instagram or social media, almost nobody. So you're only getting everybody's highlight reel, which why it all of this is based around things that are so disingenuous and not authentic, which is why I have a love-hate relationship with social media. I agree, but don't you think that at least in... Okay, you're right. Can somebody bullshit for two hours? Yes, they can. But is there a less likelihood that that person can truly bullshit for two hours? on a podcast versus it's in not, a, in it's a not even it's not even about bullshitting it's about yeah, the fact well, that when you're on ig you don't really have to talk if you're right, because you i've seen this in the beauty industry yeah, yeah. many many influencers we used to classify them youtubers and instagrammers the youtubers can have instagram but instagrammers don't have a youtube yes. that's a different because totally on youtube true. you need to be you long-form content you talk about everything you really have Yes, people that evangelists that love you okay on instagram you just have people following you and looking at your stuff but that's it so when you post you when you bring in uh, a person into youtube you said okay now speak to the cameras they feel insecure because they're not they're not supposed to say anything i'm just a pretty face and that's that's all they're gonna even if they're gonna do real usually it's gonna be transformations and stuff like that TikTok is like a little dense nothing crazy but when you look at longer form content like a podcast like talking on, on youtube you see the personality. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that can sell. On skincare, you only sell it on YouTube. This is not this is not Instagram a content type. You need to have a person that people know and trust and say, you know, my skin routine and I keep breaking. Finally, I found something. People would actually follow through with that. Th- that's where you get the conversion for skincare. Mm-hmm. Uh, color cosmetics, it's for anybody. You swatch it, you can tell the... You don't need to speak about this. It's right. the instant results. So it's the same thing with every, everything else. When you go and you put a person on a podcast, now I'm asking you a question. Now I'm talking to you. Now I want to see the intellect I that know. comes out Uh-oh. of you. Uh-oh. Have I like sadly disappointed the both of you? You not did all. not do no. so. I, you, you, show, you showed up. You showed up. <laughs> you 100% you showed up. Thank you. You're amazing. Thank you. No, I'm just... I, I, I by the way, I, I agree with you, Scott, to some degree, the bullshit factor, people can still be in there, um, I guess, in there. What do you call it? Chris Rock says it perfectly. Like, you're, they, they can still be their sales representative for yeah. two hours, right? They can still go out there yeah. and, like, be their, you know, their their personality that they show the, the public. Uh, one thing that I want to just bring out that's, I think, important for the audience, you speak about habits a lot. How do yeah. you develop good habits? By doing them. The really, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think we are all trying to find this, this secret way, the secret sauce of like doing what we need to do to get other th- to to get other things we need to do done, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, it all comes down to the most basic thing, which is just do it. As Nike says, the only way you develop habits is to practice, 
and to do something over and over again and do it over and over again even when you don't want to do it and do it again and then do it again until it becomes habitual where it becomes so second nature that you miss it or it feels weird when you don't mm -hmm. do it. It's as simple as that. Like, let's not overcomplicate something that doesn't need to be overcomplicated. You know, we try to figure things out that with these robust, big explanations that really don't need it. And that's really what I believe. No, so, so I, think, I think what I'm taking from this is, look, there's going to be a point where eventually you're going to do it because you have to do it. It's going to take a minute or maybe two. But once you keep doing it, you know it's the right thing to do. But there's going to be that little demon telling you not today, not today. But once you keep doing it for enough time, you're not going to have to convince yourself. Yeah, no, it's, you don't. Yeah. So like exactly, you have I to think get through it's that. It's a hump. skill. I mean, how do you know how to how to develop good habits is a skill like anything else. You do it by doing something over and over and over again. You really believe it the 21 you. days. To build it, 21 days to kill it, like they're saying. 10,000 no, hours. No, I, I don't or think so. I don't, don't think, think so. Right? I think, I think again, there's no, it, it, there's no science formula that it's going to say. Maybe for you it takes 21 days. Maybe for you it takes takes, you know, 77 days, right? Like it probably depends because on, he needs more. Right. It depends. on where your baseline is. Where your baseline is for sticking with something and being consistent with something yeah. and what your discipline level is at your baseline. You can develop discipline, but what, how, how far you develop it is going to be based on where, you, where you're starting from, right? Yeah. Right? So if I'm someone who's like naturally a little bit more athletic than you are, it's going to be easier for me to learn a sport versus someone who mm -hmm. maybe is like you who's not very athletically inclined. Depends yeah. on where you are. Yeah, it makes, makes a lot of sense. Everybody has their point where they start, but I mean, it goes a long way. No matter what you're going to do, practice makes better. And eventually, wherever you're going to be, you're going to be better than what you were. Don't worry about others. Right. Yeah. So like, again, I'm very curious. I'm at a 10 out of 10 starting out, right? You might be at a 1 out of 10. You may not be curious at all Why about something. Why are you giving somebody. me 1 out of 10? I'm good. I'm just saying maybe you're, <laughs> maybe you're someone who doesn't really give, that, give a shit yeah. about other people's yeah. stories or happenstance, right? Yeah. So if you're a one and I'm a 10, naturally, it's going to take you. No, I, I, no, I got, I got to jump in another topic where, so how much out of, so when you opened your podcast, why opening a podcast? Why starting a podcast? It takes forever to make it. I get that question. I want to hear it from you. Because I you love, know. I'm like, I, I just said it because I'm really curious. You're curious. You did and it. For, I said, I did it for the fact that I, I'm super curious. I'm, I love to like go deep and figure out why people do what they do, how they do it. I've always been that way my entire life. And I like to know the intricacies. Like I'm not so much about broad strokes. Mm -hmm. I get the broad strokes. I think that most people get the broad strokes. Uh, I want to know the like the the minutia of everything. As soon as you came over, you were a podcaster. You started asking me questions and diving deep and deep and deep. And it was uh, it was as soon as you came. So you did this because you wanted to. I'm interested do it in for people. you. Yeah, I, I'm. Tr yeah, I did it for me because I did it for me and for other people who are similar to me who just really like are interested and curious in wanting to know why 
and how people are the way they are. I'm my, like I said, if it wasn't for all the other things, I, I love business. I love being an entrepreneur, but if, if it wasn't for that, I would have been a psychologist mm -hmm. because I'm super fascinated with like the psyche and how and why people do what they do. And I'm not a good per I'm not great with small talk. I don't love talking about like superficial surface level stuff. Like how was the weather? You mm -hmm. know, what did you do this weekend? I want to know, like, I want to know like the real shit. Mm -hmm. And if I don't feel like you're giving me the real shit, this is in life, by the way, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in just like chit chatty. You know, people. you know how we used to call it, it used to be an entrepreneur organization called EO. And we said, uh, so it it's goes. It's like YPO. Exactly. It's very similar. Yeah. You have a, a peer of eight or so. It's six to 12, depends how many it can be. And the idea is that you sit down with them and you need to talk about what's really important for you. Mm -hmm. And they're saying... There, there in are the three forums, types. you mean, In right? the forums, exactly. So you have 5% stuff you don't ever talk about because it's really not important. Then there's uh, another 90% that you can talk about that's going to be things kind of like important but not very important or so on. Then you have the 5% that you tell nobody or you really... It's really important or urgent. Those are the top 5%. So when we sit down every month, that's what you need to pull out. So at first, when you don't know, you talk about, like you said, the weather, oh, you know, and my wife and the weather, and we started arguing, like, yeah, but that's a bar conversation. That you can wait until we're done with our phone. Tell me something I really need to, if you have nothing to say this month, don't say nothing. Because maybe one person have that 5%. So when you sit down, when, when we came up with our podcast, we look, we want to be smarter. Let's fucking do it. Let's bring smart people. So we want to come out better, smarter from that podcast, ideally. And then when people sit down and listen to us, they were like, you say, well, how often would, how much would you want to go and, and listen to those rich people that people say sitting down talking to each other? This is it. Those successful people, this is it, right? And then you say, this is going to be the top. This is going to be the 5%. Let's talk about what's important. And the idea is to, how do you get to the 5%? And maybe you can tell me now because the idea is like you got to peel the onion, right? But how do you get when you sit down and you interview a person because you're a master at this, how do you get to that 5%? Mm. How do you pull it out of people? I think it's being, I think it's being, being genuinely interested in somebody. Mm -hmm. I think that people have a really good inst instinctually, they have a really good bullshit gauge if someone's interested or not. I do. When I'm talking to someone, I can tell pretty quickly why and how why someone's talking like why that what they're asking me and why they're asking me or if they give a shit mm. i can feel it you can it's like a, it's an emotion it's like a feeling it's like sometimes it's just something that's un, unsaid like i i have i think that my approach and how i interact with people in real life is the fact that like i'm genuinely curious i'm genuinely interested in wanting to know why you're doing, why you and how you're doing something from a place of non-judgment. I'm not asking you because I need something. I'm not asking you because I'm judging you on something. I'm just asking because I'm genuinely interested. And I think when that happens, people feel much more comfortable to mm -hmm. share with you. You know, you asked uh, Mark Cuban a good question. And the reason I say it's a good question is because I've never heard anyone ask him that question. And that was, that was standing out. You ask him, all right, so how many companies are you invested in? And he said, you know, between what I closed and sold and this and that, about 200. I'm like, how the hell are you even managing a portfolio? And he's like, yeah, I got like 12 people doing that. And that's a question I didn't have anyone. No one asked him or Kevin O'Leary or anybody else, like, how many? What does it take from a 
from a guy at your size with all those Shark Tank and everything else, how many? So how do you come up with those questions? How is it coming to you? Is it just on the go or did you write it down before? Well, I think, number one, I research everybody. I First of all, I wouldn't back it up. I've come to a place that anybody I that anybody who comes on my show, on my podcast, are people that I'm initially genuinely super fascinated by or interested in some capacity that I feel that they are extraordinary in some way. Um, because if I don't have that that off the bat, I feel I'll, I'll come mm. across. I will be disingenuous. I would mm. come. I I come across disingenuous, and it's happened where. I brought people on where I thought oh, other people thought they were interesting, so then I should have them on. You clout chase too much, and then right, yeah, and then exactly. like I'm not, and like the content is the content suffers and it wanes because it's like not that interesting for me. So right, right off the jump, I think coming from a place where I'm like I'm interested in something, it 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 creates and it creates a whole different dynamic and a whole different vibe. That's the first part. Secondly. Um, if someone is going to, uh, give me their time, it's, I, I respect the people enough to do my homework and do my research. Mm -hmm. I will never have someone on who's coming on to promote a book or coming on to talk about their life and then me not do any homework or any research on that. I find that to be super so how disrespectful. Do you do, how do you do the research? Rude. How do you do the research? Do Depends. you have someone re reading for you or, no. or you're doing it yourself? Are you kidding yourself? me? Absolutely. Reading no, not reading, absolutely not reading, not. searching and telling you here no, is some not. books. It, read it. No, no. I mean, there's no that that to me is like inexcusable at, at the level I'm at anyway. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. give me a break. I, it's not. I if I'm interested in the person, it's the onus should be on me to do my own research and to and to figure that shit out. I, that would be just. So not, you said you don't. You have a book. Someone booking. So if someone has a book. No, if someone has a book coming out. Okay. Like whatever book it is, they send me the book. I read the book. Mm -hmm. If they don't have a book or if they don't have a book, I like, I like Google them. I watch other interviews they've done. I, I, I watch other things that they've done. I've, I watch the work that they've done. I listen. I like listen to Audible all the time. I listen to other podcasts that they've been on. I do all that stuff. So I'm coming into it with questions of like things that I never got answers that like I, I would be like, hmm, I, wh why that? Or like, I wonder why this or like hmm. when you're listening to another podcast and you wish the interviewer asked that question, that's they, what you can go into. Exactly. Mm, yeah. Or I ask them something that I think that other people would be genuine, like my listeners would be genuinely interested in knowing about. Right. And that's how, and I think when you're in a conversation, you naturally ask different questions than if you're only just doing uh, back research. So I think it's important to have, you have a combination of having research so you know what you're talking about and you know what you're getting into, but then also having some form of, you know, spontaneity where you'll let the conversation flow, where then if they say something, you can just, you know, ask something that you are genuinely curious to know about that like leads that's like that that makes sense for that conversation. Mm -hmm. Do you know does that make Absolutely. sense? So I think that's what it is. But I think again, that's what I was saying to you earlier. I think it's important to be curious. Just to have a podcast because everybody else is having a podcast, to me is a stupid reason to have one. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to have a podcast because you genuinely like are interested in like talking to people. That's what makes a good podcast. That makes that's what makes a difference between someone who's good at doing it and someone who's bad at doing it. If you have genuine interest in actually doing it.
for the right what's reasons. The, um, what's the pod, what are the top three podcasts that you listen to? You know what I love? Right? I'll tell you my, my favorite podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's because of the dynamic is, uh, I love smartless with Jason Bateman and Will Arnett and, uh, Sean, I can't remember his last name, the guy from Will and Grace. I find their dynamic together hilarious. And I just think that they're great. And I think that that's my favorite one. I also like Joe Rogan because he's very conversational. And I also like how I built this. How, but uh, Guy Ross. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. it's really good. Um, you know, Yosef was mentioning uh, the top 5% of problems that you're trying to solve for in your life. And he was asking, like, how do you find those problems in your guests' life and when you're interviewing them? Um, what are the top 5% of things that you're trying to solve for in your own life? <laughs> What's the top 5% of things or top the, five things? Oh, no, top five. Well, you know, like there's like the 5% of things that you don't want to talk about. And there's like so you're 90% basically, of So you're things. basically asking me, what, what is the 5%? Five, what is the stuff that you don't want to talk about? you don't want to talk about. So you want me to overtly just tell that to you yes. without you just getting it out of me? That's like cheating in a it's way, right? Cheating. It is cheating. No, it's the not whole cheating. Per, the, whole, the whole idea of this whole thing is that you have to be a good enough interviewer and make me comfortable enough where I just tell you those things without me even knowing that I actually told you That's those true things. Too. <laughs> versus me just being like... Like you, you being overt and being like, tell me those things that you don't want to talk about. You know, what no, I mean? not necessarily things you don't want to talk about. Maybe just things that are keeping you up at night now at this stage in your career as you built out oh, this just, empire of like media. You can talk about things you don't okay, want to talk easy, about. Okay, that's easy though. That's more yeah. me. I can answer you that question being guarded and that doesn't mean anything. I think every day is a challenge, right? I think right now I have a book coming out which is super challenging in terms of the book launch itself. It's a lot of time. Um, commitment and I want to make sure that I do a good job with it. So I'm working on that. Um, and also I think really my biggest challenge in general is just the fact that I try to be a good mom. I have two kids and, um, I try to be a good mom. I try to be a good wife. I try to be, you know, try to do my career and be the entrepreneur and the, do all the projects and work projects that really keep me, um, feeling that like give me the, the energy and the feeling of being alive. Uh, because I genuinely like to work. I genuinely get a lot of energy from that energy. So I'm not somebody who like wants to be sitting on a beach and, and getting my nails done all day. That doesn't work for me. Um, so to be able to like, do as many deals and to start as many projects on the business side as I want to do and also be a present mom, that's a really tough thing to balance. Does it happen to you? Because I, I feel guilty Does it happen to you that you're sitting with the kids and let's just say you want to get a big person on the show or something and then you, they want your attention but your mind is somewhere else? Yeah, it happens all the time. You feel, you feel the guilt or something? I feel guilt. Yeah. I feel guilty all the time. Yeah. And, you know, I don't how care do you, what people you, say. Do you, do it you, doesn't you feel... Do you find something to disconnect at that time? I try. I think it's... I don't, I, I, I don't believe when people are like... I don't believe there is balance in life. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, a total mis, like, misuse of the word. And I think it's a misconception. I think that... Uh, anything that you're good at requires an exorbitant 
amount of time. Anything that you want to be successful in requires an exorbitant amount of time that it's not flippant. So if you want to be an extraordinary parent, you got to put in an extraordinary amount of hours and time. I don't care what you say. Absolutely. If you want to be an extraordinary business owner, you got to put an extraordinary amount of hours into that business or else, you know what happens? It flails and it fails. Someone else is going to eat your lunch. And someone else The more dedicated one is going to come and eat your lunch. 100%. I, I know that. I know that going in. So I've made... I've made, I've made kind of uh, concessions with myself that I'm willing to not be as powerful as a business person as I probably could. I'm just going to be honest, not to sound arrogant, but that I may, may be able to be because I want to be present with my kids. To me, being a good mother is more important than being a good business person. At the end of the day, I'm not going to be lying on my deathbed being like, God, I wish I closed another deal. Never. You know, God, I wish I like had that, you know, that, that power lunch with so-and-so. Fuck no. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do not want someone else raising my kids. I do not want someone else. I don't want someone else or my kids feeling that they are, or they take second fiddle to some bullshit business thing that I'm working on. But I'm not going to lie to you and say that, I'm not distracted a lot and that I, my phone, that, 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 that I don't look at my phone constantly. And I mean, there's been plenty of baseball games, soccer games, dancer, dance things, gymnastic things that I'm at and I'm on my phone working. That's my happy medium. I'm yeah. not perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm not claiming to be perfect. And I feel like all I'm trying to do is do the best I can by doing both things that I really love in a, in good enough yeah right and i'm if if the if the bell if the curve or this or the bell curve or whatever the pendulum swings i'd rather be a better mom than a better business person yeah i think that everyone feels the same i feel like want and possible like once you have the opportunity you still chase it i don't think we, right, right? It's, exactly. it's just like yeah i want to but i'm just it's also i don't know if it just what I'm thinking, uh, because I was to say this to myself all the time, because that's the right thing to say to yourself. But now you have to go and do it. And then comes that mind where you say, well, I, I'm doing it also for the kids, for the future and, and all that. Uh, it's just very challenging. And you feel the guilt keeps coming and chasing you. Like I can tell you the, the burden that is removed after you can get out of the business and you say, okay, now I can be with them. And even then, it's hard to be present because you don't know how. A hundred percent. I don't know. I don't know how. I think that's a very true truism. And I think that's actually a very wise and perceptive thing to think, to say, because I think that is so true. Not, I don't even know how. That's actually very true. Because I'm so used to being on. You will in time because I'm, I'm looking backward and I said, when I pulled out, I was exactly the same. Today, I'm different. I'm better. Am I 100%? No, because new ideas come up, new things comes up. And I'm like, again, I'm doing this to myself. And what the hell was... But it's not the so same like when you have to manage so many people and you're just your mind is busy with stress. So it takes it takes a while to train <laughs> yourself into it. Just do you ever supply. shut off? Like, do you, do, you have, do you ever try and shut off? Like, even like, like keep Shabbat for like a day and shut off from like all work stuff. So it's like pure family. Um, it's a no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> um, no, 
I also think I have so much like, um, like I, I, I have like ants in my pants and I've, I've like my mother would say that my grandmother, I'm like always sitting, I'm sitting on spielkes constantly. Like I'm not good at just being, you know, like that's my work in life, yeah. right? Is this being okay with You're being impulsive, okay? Of course. Super impulsive. impulsive. I feel like I, I, yeah. I just feel like it's like an ADD thing. I, I'm not saying I have ADD. I say I have ADD. It's I, okay. I, I That's what makes it special. Says, I think it's an overused statement. I just think I do have impulsivity. I don't like to. I don't like to sit for long periods of time. I like to be in motion. I think um, an object in motion stays in motion. I I think that it's very hard for me to just to be. So I I do find it really difficult. Being present. That's very yeah, tough. It's hard. That's very, very tough. Well, um, Jennifer, listen, thank you so much. It was amazing two hours. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it. Each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com 
Amazon.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E.com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much indeed for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed 
on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 